Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the June 28th, 2023, 179th edition, always broadcasting from the Somark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. Coming up, it's Mansfield News and Talk. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. HB 900, signed by the governor last month, regulates school library materials. Find out how the bill affects Mansfield. Man creates his own church in search of peace and quiet. Fourth of July is coming up, and getting caught with illegal fireworks is one way to light up your pocketbook. The city is in countdown mode as it prepares for Mansfield Rocks. In the talk segment, Steve talks with a group of men who turned a guy's weekend into a charitable organization. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area. And when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction. A Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, We are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. 
I'm Jason Moore, Executive Director of Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. House Bill 900 has received a lot of attention around the state after Governor Greg Abbott signed it into law in June. Steve spoke with State Representative David Cook about how HB 900 will apply to books and other materials in public schools here in Mansfield. David, welcome back to About Mansfield. Hey, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to jump on with you again and uh, appreciate what you do for, for Mansfield and getting the news out. So thank you. Let's go back to the basics. And first of all, what is HB 900? Well, I think uh, the the best way to describe it is is to refer to it as uh, what is commonly known as is the Reader Act. And uh, Reader, each letter stands for a different uh, word, and it's the Restricting Explicit and Adult Designated Educational Resources. It's a it's the uh, like I said, HB 900 is is the is an act that prohibits the possession, acquisition, and purchase of harmful library materials that are sexually explicit, pervasively vulgar or educationally unsuitable. That's, that's the, you know, the true definition or the, you know, the, the technical definition. But really what we're talking about here is, is, is removing harmful books, inappropriate books from, uh, from libraries that, uh, that are not appropriate for our students in schools. Let's simplify this. Is this a book ban? It has, I mean, it has the uh, ability to ban books. Yes, definitely. How does a, a bill like this start? Uh, it, was this generated by uh, was angry parents, community involvement? How does a bill like this uh, first start? Yeah, so, I mean, I think if we take it back to the beginning of how an issue such as the Reader Act, you know, how it begins, it, it normally does be, begin with, you know, what with the constituent or obviously a legislator uh, having an issue with uh, with a certain subject matter, and in this instance, I, I believe it was a lot of a lot of school districts across uh, the state of Texas, um, anywhere from Carroll ISD to down in Houston, and we had uh, Spring Branch, uh, Lake Travis down near Austin, Leander, I believe Katy ISD was another. But there were several districts around the state that um, where parents were going to their local school boards and. And so I think, you know, there's a couple of different ways to handle it. Obviously, you know, a, a way to handle it is, is locally on a, on a, on a case by case basis where each school board would determine what was best for that school district, uh, which is a form of local control, which I, I certainly am a, a proponent of local control. Uh, but also sometimes it's, it's necessary to have that public policy set at the state level. And I think this is one of those that merits the, having a common approach for all students across Texas. Uh, so that they're all protected from these types of materials. This bill goes into effect, if I read this correctly, September 1st. Is that right? That is correct. And with that, uh, because apparently you know, the, there is a uh, Mansfield ISD school board uh, meeting tonight, there will be the second reading of their book policy. Does this statewide policy uh, supersede local laws? Yes, it would. You co-sponsored the bill. And if, again, I read this correctly, you also uh, co-wrote the bill. What part of the bill did you write? Well, no, I, I, I was not involved in the writing of the bill. Uh, this, the Most of the work on this bill was done by uh, Representative Jared Patterson from Frisco. He, he spent a great deal of time during the interim following the 87th session, uh, so following the 2021 session. So during the interim, you know, 2021-2022, Representative Patterson spent a tremendous amount of time working on this legislation, and he and his staff, uh, to my knowledge, are the ones that wrote the bill. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to applaud him. He, he spent uh, a tremendous amount of time um, on this subject. How long does it take from 
the the idea being presented to a representative to it actually becoming a bill signed by the governor. How how, how long is that process? You know, it could really be. Um, it could be. You know, one session. You know, I've been. You know, it's only my second session, as you know, Steve. And mm-hmm. um, but you know, I've, I've been told many times that you know, hey, don't don't be disappointed that your bill didn't pass. It often takes two or three sessions to get a bill passed, and so you know, and you know that in Texas we meet every other year, so two or three sessions could be four to six years. But but that, that's not always the case. Obviously, um, this was a, a bill that had a lot of support. It, um, you know, within the, within the house and, and Senate and, and, uh, it, but it did take the better part of the session. I, if I remember correctly, it, uh, got out of the house in, in late April and, uh, over to the, over into the Senate in May. And then obviously to the governor just recently signed it. David, I'm having flashbacks of, uh, Schoolhouse Rocks. I am a bill. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's exactly right. And I, I'm experiencing that on a, on a, on a regular basis nowadays. So that's a, that's a perfect analogy, Steve. Hey, if someone wanted more information about HB 900 or really anything that's going on in the uh, at the state capitol, where can they find more information? Well, I mean, I'm, I welcome them to always to uh, call to call our office where we want to be that resource. And, you know, our, our number, if you don't mind me. Yeah, go ahead. Out, so I'd be glad to give, give it out. It's uh, 512-463-0374. You can always reach out to uh, my chief of staff, which is sarah.trot at house.texas.gov. And uh, we'll be glad to uh, answer any questions that we can. Obviously, uh, you, you're welcome to go on the, the House website. That's easy to find. You can just Google uh, Texas House of Representatives, and there's a web page for each representative. Feel free to, to go there as well. But we're, we want to be the resource for our constituents. That's what we were there for. And uh, I really have appreciated and, and am honored to have served uh, HD96 for you know, now going on three years. And I uh, really consider it to, to, to be an honor and, and uh, look forward to continued service. Well, thank you for representing uh, not only Mansfield, but the uh, the area that, that encompasses Mansfield. HB 900, the Reader Act, uh, again, goes into law on September 1st. David, I've always enjoyed having you here in the studio. I'd love to uh, maybe like every six months, every nine months, have you back in the studio, maybe do some updates on on what you've been working on there in the house. I would appreciate the opportunity. And and I think that, you know, as far as timing, I think um, maybe during session, it would make sense to do it, you know, maybe a little bit more often and, and you know, out of session, there's, there's probably not a whole lot of uh, excitement going on uh, <laughs> through the process, but I'm, I'm happy to jump on anytime you need me, Steve. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a great day. Neil Foreman moved his wife and family to unincorporated Tarrant County and just a few footsteps outside of Mansfield city limits. It was about a year and a half ago looking for some land to raise their rescued racehorse, Benji. Like many animals, Benji gets a little skittish around loud noises and the extra space helped create a buffer. Shortly after Foreman was firmly planted, his neighbor across the street moved in. Now, when those lots were sold, they were with some very strict deed restrictions that should have prevented anybody from putting anything remotely annoying or nuisance, considered a nuisance. Yeah. Well, this guy threw the book out the window. He completely ignored all of it, bulldozed the place, took all the trees down, diverted all the water, didn't pull any permits. For our knowledge, he didn't do a damn thing. 
And whenever, when anybody approached him, he was like, if you don't like it, move. If you don't like it, move. Foreman sought help from county officials and the fire marshal, and no help was given. After the neighbor erected a pay-to-pop fireworks stand in close proximity to a natural gas well and 18-wheeler trucks with hazardous materials, Foreman begged for help. And so we reached out to the county. We begged and pleaded the county, please don't let this man do this. And the, the, the fire marshal seemed adamant, like, well, it's his right. We can't stop him but he didn't seem to want to stop him, you know? And we found it a bit fishy um, that he's been so keen to, like, you know, stamp the the permit and approval for Joe Sterling to do this. And I'm like, if you're a fire marshal, surely you want to prevent fire and prevent anything dangerous. And he was looking for every avenue to allow Joe Sterling to continue. In a last-ditch effort, Foreman dug a little deeper into the law books and found a loophole. So we come up with the church thing. It turns out that fireworks are illegal within 600 feet of a church. For the benefit of our listeners, the name of the church is? The Church of Peace and Quiet. The Church of Peace and Quiet. Are you the head pastor? I am indeed. I am. I, I know that back in the 1970s, you could become a pastor just by filling out an application on the back of Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, how did you become a pastor? Internet. On the internet. All right. Now, one step further, how difficult is it to start a church? It's not. Foreman then filed a temporary restraining order to prevent the rocket's red glare and bombs bursting in air in his backyard. But apparently the process server has had a hard time tracking down the neighbor. Apparently. Uh, I believe so. Um, thus far, even though Mr. Sterling's been on TV at his fireworks stand, which is opposite our house, and I actually saw him last night outside my neighbor's house, to my knowledge, we, uh, the server has been um, unable to serve him. So um, it's very weird that they're unable to get hold of this man, even though he's in town. You know? Fireworks stand owner Mr. Sterling has accused Pastor Foreman of creating a blasphemous fake church. But Foreman does indeed hold weekly services on his property and all donations to the church go to a neighbor who has hired an attorney to prevent the operation of the fireworks stand. So the battle continues between neighbors. Pastor Foreman and his firecracking neighbor, Mr. Sterling, will keep you up to date with any future developments. It's an annual event the entire family looks forward to. Of course, we're talking about the annual fireworks that the city calls Mansfield Rocks. And with us on the phone to talk about it, welcome back, Tim Roberts, to About Mansfield. Oh, great to be back, as always, touching base with your amazing audience. Tim, help me out again. Your title with the city of Mansfield is... Well, that's, I, I wish I knew half the time. Uh, I am now the tourism manager. So I just recently had a title shift. So I am the tourism manager here in the city of Mansfield. And you're, you're here to help promote uh, Mansfield Rocks. Uh, give, us the, give us the deets on who, what, when, where, and why. Yeah, yeah obviously it's uh, Monday, July 3rd. Uh, doors open at 6 o'clock. It is out at the Hawaiian Falls slash Big League Dreams Complex. Uh, we'll have both areas open. Uh, over at Big League Dreams, of course, we'll have uh, live music by Radio Edit. Uh, of course, all the field games and all sorts of fun stuff like that, as well as that's the front row seat for the fireworks. But then, of course, at Hawaiian Falls, uh, we're going to have luau dancers, a small selection of their slides. And, of course, the uh, old wave, giant wave pool will be open uh, for families to go check out. And the view of the fireworks is pretty great over there as well. So if you want to sit by the water and watch them, 
Uh, and so you can get tickets for it at mansfieldrocks.com. Mansfieldrocks.com. And, and my understanding is there are some tickets left, even though this is usually a sold out event. There are tickets left? Yes. At the moment, we still have tickets available. Um, I, I anticipate probably hitting close to that sellout mark by July 1st or 2nd, uh, but we still have tickets available. However, if we do sell out uh, the parking passes, which I guess I should probably clarify, we get a lot of questions about this. Tickets are $20, but that is a single $20 ticket per car, not individual tickets. So everybody that you can fit into your car gets into both locations on that one $20 ticket. However, if we sell out of what we call essentially the parking pass tickets, we do offer rideshare tickets. So if you just want to catch an Uber or have a friend drop you off, you can get those for $10. So even if we sell out the parking passes, we will still have a selection of tickets if you're just being dropped off. If you're like my uh, sister-in-law and you're rocking seven kids in the homeschool van, they all get in, grandma and grandpa too, uh, you know, for, for that right there. So it's just a, a great way to Get everybody in on one thing, you know, that way, larger families, smaller families, everybody can still come enjoy it. I like how both Big League Dreams and Hawaiian Falls have activities leading up to the fireworks. So this way you're not stuck to one location. You can go uh, over to Hawaiian Falls and play in the, the splash pad or whatever, or go listen to the bands over at Big League Dreams. Yeah, and you can come and go from both locations. You don't have to pick one. So if you want to start at Hawaiian Falls and then end over at uh, Big League Dreams, or vice versa, or r- split your family up, run back and forth all you want. Uh, you've got the run of the place. Let's see if I've got this right. July 3rd, Monday, uh, doors open at 6 p.m. You do have to have a $20 parking pass or a $10 rideshare pass. Big League Dreams, Hawaiian Falls Complex. The doors open at 6 p.m. Fireworks at approximately 9 p.m. Tickets are still available. That covers it all. And MansfieldRocks.com is the place to go. MansfieldRocks.com. And Tim, uh, we'll see you at Mansfield Rocks. Yeah, can't wait to see everybody out there. This is the 15th anniversary of this tradition, and we hope to just keep it growing and making it better every single year. And speaking of fireworks, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission states that fireworks were involved with an estimated 10,000 injuries treated in U.S. hospital emergency rooms in 2019. Children younger than 15 years of age accounted for over one-third of those injuries. Mansfield Fire Rescue Assistant Fire Chief Jeff Smith said that, simply put, fireworks are illegal within Mansfield city limits. The international fire code that we have adopted says that the possession, manufacture, storage, sale, handling, and use of fireworks within the city of Mansfield is prohibited. Uh, There's a small little clause that allows for the transport through the city limits, but they cannot be opened or accessible while in the vehicle. If you're caught with fireworks, they can be confiscated if you are setting them off within city limits, but it's the fine line that'll set you back a pretty penny. The fire marshal's office can uh, write fines and tickets up to $2,000 for each incident where you're caught with fireworks. That's a hefty penalty for something as simple as a sparkler. Sparklers are are classified as a firework and illegal within the city limit. Assistant Chief Smith added the use and misuse of fireworks can also lead to damages to personal property as well as grass fires that can spread out of control and that spreads their crews pretty thin. You know anyone who's lived here has heard can hear them every night around the 4th of July going off 
it's all, it, it overwhelms the, uh, the first responders, definitely. If you encounter illegal fireworks within city limits, you can call the Mansfield Police non-emergency number at 817-473-0211. If you have a comment about the show, the news, or whatever's on your mind locally, the good, the bad, the ugly, what's on your mind, you can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817-435-2938. Saturday, July 1st is National Postal Worker Day, which pays homage to the people who deliver your mail six days a week. Regardless of the weather, there are roughly 490,000 postal workers across the United States that head out into the elements each day to our residences and businesses. So if you're thinking on going postal this Saturday, may the result be a trip to your local post office to thank your local postal worker or you can contact the Postal Service and let them know how much you appreciate postal workers and the work that they do. Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Kind of like Colleen's commitment to news. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Tis the season for flipping burgers in the backyard. I'm Angel Biasati, and today we're talking about summer safety tips in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Beth Steinke, and for more than a year, I've shared all sorts of real estate tips, tricks, topics, and troubles on the podcast. But today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report, I'm going to share what a real estate agent actually does to earn their commission. In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'll be talking about a cocktail that will have you dreaming about your new crush. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. This portion of the news was brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate in the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons simplified them. And I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. Congratulations to Coy Miller, who was the first person to correctly answer last week's Mansfield trivia question. Name three of the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams. Coy not only named three, he named all eight, and he has won a $25 gift card to the restaurant of his choice. When we come back, this week's trivia question, this is about Mansfield. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a level three trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist. 
Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time right now, this very second, right now, for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance insurance that best fit their needs since 2010. And you can find him on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. By the way, again, thank you to Joe Jenkins for sponsoring the Mansfield Trivia Question for one year now. We thank you for your support. And as I say every week, not every winner submits their answer on Wednesdays. So if you're listening Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or whenever, give it a shot you may be taking home a $25 restaurant gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, most Mansfieldians know that the city of Mansfield is split between three counties. The majority lies within Tarrant County, with the remainder in Ellis and Johnson counties. This week's trivia question is, which county contains more Mansfield real estate, Ellis or Johnson Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, which county contains more Mansfield real estate, Ellis or Johnson? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, this is Daryl Perez, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here with summer safety tips in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Backyard barbecues, swimming in the lake, family reunions, they're all our favorites in the summertime. However, a barbecue can turn dangerous if you're not paying attention, and you might find yourself in the emergency room. Burns are a big concern when grilling, especially on the fingers, the palm, and your face. Dr. Gary Alexander, Medical Director of Trauma Services, offers these tips. Burns always need to be evaluated because the extent of the injury isn't always known immediately. When it's time to fire up a charcoal grill, add lighter fluid slowly and lean away from the grill to prevent flash burns. Consider wearing welding gloves to protect your hands. Also, remember to keep an eye on the children and remind them not to play too close to the grill, even when you're finished cooking. Backyard cooks should also wear closed-toed shoes in case food or utensils fall from the grill. Also, shoes can help keep the soles of the feet from burning on hot pavement. If you do get burned, place cool towels around the burn, which can provide some fast relief while you make your way to the emergency room. When you're at the lake, always remember to wear a life vest and keep your distance from the boat's propellers. Drink plenty of water and don't overindulge in alcohol, a leading cause of boating accidents. Dr. Alexander also suggests 
you have at least one other person with you when boating, fishing, or swimming to stay as safe as possible this summer. With Methodist Mansfield News to Know, I'm Angel Biasati, reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. Realtor Beth Steinke is here to talk about what exactly a realtor does to earn their commission in the Mansfield real estate market update. Project manager, psychologist, matchmaker, expert marketer, and negotiator. These are some of the roles we get to enjoy during a real estate transaction. But what else do we do before, during, and after the transaction? Let's start with a seller. That starts with extensive market knowledge. The real estate agent possesses a wealth of information regarding current market trends, property values, and neighborhood dynamics. By monitoring market fluctuations and staying up to date with local market conditions, real estate agents can offer valuable insights to clients, helping them make informed decisions about when to list, and maybe even more importantly, how to price their properties. Determining an appropriate listing or purchase price for a property is a delicate task. Real estate agents utilize their market expertise and spend a significant amount of time putting together a comparative market analysis to evaluate the value of a property accurately. By considering such factors as recent sales, property condition, location, and amenities, they ensure fair pricing, maximizing the chance of finding the right buyer for that home. Next up is preparing the home for its market debut. Setting the stage by hiring a great staging consultant helps the seller know exactly what matters most to buyers and focus on the things that are sure to get top dollar for the home. Hiring the professional photographer to make sure that the online presence is top notch. We create tailored marketing plans to attract potential buyers. This targeted approach significantly enhances the visibility and appeal of a property, increasing the likelihood of a quick and profitable sale scheduling showings, and making sure that the seller is informed along the way, taking calls about a property, a million calls, relaying feedback from the showings, reviewing and vetting offers that come in in order to provide accurate guidance. The negotiation stage of a real estate transaction requires finesse, strategic thinking, and strong advocacy. Real estate agents serve as skilled negotiators, representing their client's best interest and striving to secure favorable terms and conditions. Deep knowledge of the real estate contract inside and out serves to protect the seller because once under contract, there are dozens of deadlines and contingencies that have to be managed to ensure the deal gets to the closing table. By carefully reviewing and explaining the terms and conditions, agents ensure that their clients fully understand the legal implications of the transaction, mitigating potential risks and safeguarding their interest. Along the way, there are many logistical items that must be managed, such as disclosures, surveys, appraisers, inspectors, utilities, key exchanges, lease back, moving companies, cleaners, repair vendors, and more. And sometimes we are helping them buy another house at the same time, so managing stress and worry becomes a very real part of the job. Flipping sides over to a buyer transaction, it all starts with a buyer needs determination. We sit down either in person or virtually to learn everything we can about them. We ask questions about what they need in their new home, of course, but also what they're looking for in their new community. Do they want a walkable neighborhood or space between the houses? You know, that kind of thing. We spend a good amount of time really working to understand their needs versus wants, deal breakers versus willing compromises, and from there, we make sure that the financial side is solid so we know what price point we should be shopping in, and then we start the house hunt. On average, we may show between 3 to 12 houses before we make an offer. We provide feedback to the listing agent on every single house that we show. 
Composing an offer takes time and skill so that the buyer will have the best chance of getting their offer accepted with favorable terms. Communicating with the lender, the seller's agent, and the buyer are part of this process. Once the offer is accepted, we start managing everything for our buyer, ensuring all deadlines and contingencies are managed just like a duck gliding on the water. Here are a few of the high points. The agent ensures that all federal, state, and local disclosures are provided to the appropriate parties within specified timeframes. Agent acts as a central point of contact and coordinator for the transaction for all involved, such as buyers, sellers, attorneys, lenders, inspectors, title company, to ensure that everybody's working together smoothly. The agent works with various parties to ensure inspections, appraisals, financing approval, and other contingencies are met. If the buyer opts for property inspection, the agent coordinates the inspection and ensures the necessary reports are obtained and reviewed timely. They also negotiate any repairs or credits based on the inspection findings. The agent works with the title company to facilitate the title search, title insurance, and escrow process. They review the title commitment and address any issues that arise to ensure a clear title transfer. As the closing date approaches, the agent helps coordinate the final walkthrough, ensuring that the property is in agreed-upon condition. They also review the closing statement with their clients, ensuring accuracy and answering any questions. They typically attend the closing with their client, reviewing all the closing documents and verifying that the necessary paperwork's in order and addressing any last-minute questions or concerns. After the transaction is complete, the agent assists with any remaining tasks, such as transferring utilities, providing keys to the new owner, ensuring a smooth transition for all parties. And of course, taking that fun closing picture of the happy home buyer or seller. But the work doesn't stop when the transaction closes. Many real estate agents maintain ongoing relationships with their clients, checking in periodically, providing market updates, and offering assistance with future real estate needs. They strive to be a valuable resource for their clients, even beyond the immediate transaction. Throughout the entire process, real estate agents act as advisors, negotiators, and coordinators, leveraging their expertise to protect their clients' interests, navigate potential obstacles, and ensure a smooth and successful real estate transaction. All of this is made to look easy because of years of experience, hundreds of successfully completed transactions, hours of study and training, research and legwork, and of course, local market knowledge. Now let's get to this week's Mansfield Real Estate Market Update. As of June 26, there are 119 active and available homes for sale in Mansfield, excluding new construction. Homes this week range from 150000 with the list topping out at $1.8 million. Fifteen homes are priced above the $900,000 mark, but two are priced under $200,000. They are definitely fixer-uppers, but great opportunities for investors. Let's zoom out to the monthly data for Mansfield. Those numbers do include new construction, which colors the data a bit differently. The median sales price in Mansfield has reached an unbelievable new height of $499,812, so basically half a million dollars. That's up almost 9% from May of last year. We have 64% more active listings this year than last year, and sales are down 22% year over year. So summing that data up, prices are holding strong and even climbing in some cases, but demand is down due to interest rates. However, once these interest rates drop, we will definitely start seeing that pent-up demand hit the marketplace. So it's time to get ready for your next move. Do you have a real estate question I can answer? Send me a message via email to info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain serves up a lemon crush in the cocktail of the week. This week's cocktail of the week is the Lemon Crush. Several weeks ago, I started a new series on cocktails that I found on TikTok. And this week's cocktail comes from at Everyday Cocktail. When it comes to cocktails, there are few drinks as invigorating and tantalizing as the Lemon Crush. 
This delightful concoction combines the zestiness of fresh lemons, the smoothness of deep eddy lemon vodka, the sweetness of triple sec, and the effervescence of Sprite. With the vibrant flavors and uplifting fizz, the Lemon Crush is a perfect companion for a sunny afternoon or a lively evening with friends. But let's dive into this tantalizing world of this citrusy delight. At the heart of the Lemon Crush lies the star ingredient, fresh lemons. Known for their tangy and aromatic qualities, lemons provide the foundation for this cocktail. Squeezing the juice from the ripe lemons ensures that the drink bursts with vibrant citrus flavors. The addition of fresh lemon juice not only adds a brightness and a refreshing element, but also balances out the sweetness of the other ingredients. To enhance the lemony experience, we're going to add Deep Eddie's Lemon Vodka. It's crafted with care. This vodka infuses the spirit with the essence of real lemons. The result is a smooth and subtly tart flavor that perfectly complements the natural acidity of the fresh lemon juice. Deep Eddy Lemon Vodka adds a depth of character to the Lemon Crush, making it a drink that tantalizes and fascinates the taste buds with every sip. To bring the sweetness and the complexity, Triple Sec enters the mix. This orange flavor liqueur harmonizes the lemony notes, adding a hint of citrusy sweetness. The balanced flavor profile complements the tartness of the lemons, creating again a balanced, well-rounded taste sensation. The triple sec acts as a bridge between the tanginess of the lemons and the effervescence of Sprite, assuming that harmonious blend of flavors. And of course, the final touch is the addition of the Sprite. The sparkling lemon-lime soda combines a playful effervescence that lightens the drink and gives a delightful fizz. The carbonation dances across your palate, providing a refreshing sensation that elevates the entire drinking experience. Sprite not only adds the effervescence, but it also lends a subtle sweetness, helping to create this as a super well-balanced cocktail that quenches the thirst and delights the senses. But as always, don't worry about it. I'll be giving out the ingredients and instructions and posting them on bourbongospel.com. To make the cocktail, you need two ounces of deep eddy lemon vodka, one ounce of triple sec, Sprite, and lots of lemons. To create this refreshing libation, start by muddling three to four slices of fresh lemons into a cocktail shaker. Add a generous pour of the Deep Eddy Lemon Vodka, followed by the triple sec. Shake the mixture vigorously to combine all the flavors and chill the ingredients. Then pour the concoction into a tall glass filled with ice and top it off with the Sprite. The result is a dazzling yellow elixir that embodies the epitome of a citrus blend. The bright yellow hue, the Lemon Crush is not only a treat for the taste buds, but it's also a feast for the eyes. Its sunny disposition invokes images of sunny beaches, poolside relaxation, and carefree summer days. This cocktail is not only a thirst quencher, but also a mood lifter, bringing a burst of sunshine to almost any occasion. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Hi, I'm Caden Shea. And I'm Parker James from the band Olivox. 
and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, and today we present part two of an interview with the boys from Bourbon Gospel that was recorded back in February of this year. You can hear part one as we talked about the best cocktail cherries back in episode 159. During this current part two interview, the guys mention a partnership with Dirty Job Brewing in helping create a special release of the OMG Blonde Beer. That release will be available on Saturday, July 8th, in conjunction with Dirty Job Brewing's sixth Beerth Day. Yeah, I said Beerth Day. So again, here's part two of the interview. I am calling From Cherries to Charity. Enjoy. Bourbon Gospel is more than just a, dare I say, a drinking club. They do good things in the in the community. And the senior pastor of Bourbon Gospel. And chief storyteller. And chief storyteller is Brian Certain. We certainly know Brian's voice from the Cocktail of the Week. And um, he has brought his board with him of... Uh, the, would this be ex- your executive board? This would be the executive board for Bourbon Gospel as we're continuing to move forward and do more charity work. All right. So, and and we're going to talk about their charity work, but let's first go around the, the, the table and introduce yourself. So, Ron, come on up to the microphone, introduce yourself, and tell us your title with Bourbon Gospel. Yeah. So, Ron McCraney, um, I am the Minister of Marketing Operations and Integrated System Technology, but as Carlos likes to call me, the Minister of Moist. Because it is a fitting acronym. Yeah, it's just a mouthful. There we go. We've met Brian, and uh, to Brian's left is? I'm Hugh Hunton. I'm the Executive Pastor and Chief Pilot for the Bourbon Gospel. And uh, to Hugh's left? Uh, Carlos Figueroa. I am the pastor who makes sure that everything we do has a charitable component to it. Because what's the point of doing something great if you don't do something good with it? Um, so my title is actually the pastor of missionary positions, uh, just to make sure that I get everything taken care of. Brian, what we're going to focus on uh, here, at least at the beginning, is the trip that not only the four of you, but there were also additional uh, bourbonites that you you took a trip to Kentucky. Yeah, uh, and- part, part of our other pastors. Okay. Um, came as well. So there were a total of 14 of us um, that went to Kentucky for five days. And this was a missionary trip that, uh, or at least a, a mission. So there were 14 of us from six different states. Um, and we all gathered in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, and during that trip, we um, found some discoveries that gave us an opportunity to really share about what we're doing here today. So again, we did it, and it was at the end of September of 2022, and it turned out to be a really great opportunity for us and a great experience for all of us. The end result, which which we're going to <laughs> get into in a little bit here, the end result, was that what was on your mind when you put this trip together? Absolutely did- not. Absolutely not. So, this, this was just an opportunity for those of us who several have been on. There's four of us that have been on all four years of when I've gone. Yeah. Um, there's a handful of us that were there in 2012 when we did this, and we picked up some new people along the way, which we always love to do. But the end result of what we did, we had no expectation when we went on that trip that this would be the end result. So you started off as a social guy strip. Guy a guy strip. Great. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a charity event. Mm-hmm. 
terrific charity event. Let's uh, let's let's get into uh, all right. Let's how how many days was was the trip? Five days. How many distilleries did you visit in five 15. days? You visited fifteen distilleries, th- three a day on average. Correct. And you found well. There were probably more than one. You found one that you liked. You found one that you you. Well, we we found, found several many that we liked. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. fact, our very our very first one, Carlos arranged for us at Buffalo Trace, um, and and as we ended that uh, tour, I I told all of us because we had private transportation because we're not stupid and we don't believe in drinking and driving, and right. so we had private transportation taking us to all these distilleries. And I got on the bus and I said, guys, just so y'all are aware. Everything from here is straight downhill. We found some other cool things along the way that piqued our interest and that we appreciated for for what they were. Um, maybe some didn't have the history that Buffalo Trace had. Maybe some didn't have the old grounds and the old buildings and the bourbon Pompeii that they've uncovered. Um, but they all had something cool, uh, you know, in their own version of it. Executive pastor and chief pilot Hugh, what uh, what was your favorite and why? Oh, for sure, Buffalo. Buffalo. I'm Trace. sure it's going to be everybody's Buffalo Trace. Carlos. Well, I'm sure they expect me to say Buffalo Trace, which it is a an exciting place, a lot of history. But for me, honestly, Whiskey Thief would have to be my favorite one because that is where our Bourbon Gospel Bourbon was born. Um, now it started at Buffalo Trace. Um, with the simple request of our other pastor, Fred, who Freddie Johnson had mentioned uh, the single barrel process, which is what a lot of people do. And Fred had approached me that day and said, is that something we can do as a group? I said, sure, we can check into it, but it's a long, drawn-out process. Go to the very last distillery toured, and it was born from that point on. So I would have to say that Whiskey Thief was was my favorite distillery. Is this typical then for let's call it a guy's trip, as you mentioned earlier, that if I wanted to go to the bourbon trail, 15 distilleries is, is, is that's, that's pretty much what I'm going to hit. About three to four a day is probably your max, just because most of them are not that close together. Okay. Um, we centered day one up in the Frankfurt area, which is where Buffalo Trace and Whiskey Thief and um, Bullet are located. Um, the next day was focused more out in where um, Four Roses and Bardstown are. Um, and then the third full day was focused on uh, distilleries that were in Louisville. So we had two full days of private transportation, and then the third day and fourth day and fifth day was all just um, grabbing Ubers and three or four guys in a vehicle to go to someplace local in Louisville. We had breweries as well, um, mm. great restaurants. Yep. Um, so it was just a, it was a full trip. But the biggest thing I will tell people, and part of the story I'll tell real quickly, is you have to plan ahead. Um, and you have to plan ahead typically months in advance. Um, some of these tours book up three, four, five months in advance. Let's get into then the generosity of, of the group. Uh, you formed a partnership with a with one of the distilleries. And again, this you, you had mentioned this this was not the reason you went, but somehow it happened and tell the story of uh, of the distillery. And the the partnership that you gained with them. So at the end of that first day of tours, we had started with Buffalo Trace. We went to another distillery that day. And then 
I had been told about Three Boys Farm and the way it was billed to me as the one organizing the trip. It's the only place on the bourbon trail where you can go and try five bourbons straight from the barrel. And I'm like, we're in. I mean, that's a unique experience in and of itself. Some distilleries offer one, but none offer five, to our knowledge. And so we went, and while we were there, um, we started talking to them about the single barrel, whether they do a barrel program. And they were like, yes, in fact, we do. In fact, we even do a white label program. Okay. And I'm like, what, what is a barrel program? So a barrel program is where you buy an entire what's left of 53 gallons of bourbon that went into the barrel. Um, every year that bar- that barrel ages, it loses 4 to 6% to the angel share or evaporation. Okay. So whatever's left, that's what's in a barrel, and you're buying all of that. Um, and so, you know, it's a pretty big endeavor. It's somewhere around 220 bottles, 750 milliliter bottles. And that's a lot of money. Um, but there are 14 of us and we're intrigued by the opportunity. Um, and so we start talking to them and then they mentioned the white label part where we could actually take our dream of, of doing a single barrel and, and being able to somehow associate our group with it to actually being able to label the bourbon as bourbon, as bourbon gospel, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Carlos? And when we asked them, how quickly could we do this? What's your turnaround time? Thinking we're going to have to schedule another trip. They said, can you come back in two days? <laughs> and we said, okay, this is meant to be. And so we were able to do a process that otherwise would have taken months and months and months on an existing trip that we were there. So it was just something that just fell into place perfectly for us. And we didn't sacrifice just to get this done in two days. No. I mean, we all loved the product, too. Yes. We had been to other big names that everybody knows, and this product is on par with those. So when we went there, we can get this done quickly. We have more flexibility in how we can label this or brand it. And this is darn good stuff. We were like, win, win, win. Like, let's do this. So what I'm sensing here is Bourbon Gospel bought a barrel. That that was we, the original concept when we, we went. We originally intended to do that, but we've been talking about it for at least 10 years. Yeah, when we were at the Whiskey Thief, it's like, hey, let's talk about this again. Maybe we can make it happen. And the fact that, again, so white label basically means they're not going to put their label on the bourbon. They're going to put our label on the bourbon, which far surpassed even that dream that we had 10 years before in 2012 of doing a single barrel but realizing the financial over hurdles to do that, but all of a sudden those hurdles are gone. That waiting list is gone. This is a much, much smaller distillery that's still trying to get their name. They've been they've had their distiller's license since 2000. Hmm. So they've existed for 22 years, but they've been a mom and pop operation. They're a very small operation. And but it was a perfect for us because they were the right size for us with the right product at the right time that all made it work. So we scheduled with them that day, Wednesday. For us to come back, so some part Before of us. Before we did that, though, we had to get together as a group and say, who's in? And we're not kidding. So you got to put your money where your mouth is. And we had enough people commit to nice. enough funds to make this realistic. Because they didn't ask us to buy a whole barrel. We had to buy at least 70% of it, I believe, right? Yeah, and we negotiated that when we were there yeah. on the second day. Yep. So, so, so enough when we, people were in. and yep. so, But only one of us had driven on the trip and that was Carlos. And so Carlos is like, well, I'm driving. So I'm going back on Friday for the tasting. 
who else is in? Well, of course, I'm in. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there was, you know, different people who were like, maybe I want to do it. And then Ron, and I've cooked on competitive cooking teams with Ron, and I know his palate. And I'm like, no, absolutely, Ron. Absolutely. And Hugh's like, well, I've been there as well. And I'm like, absolutely. So it really quickly became the four of us, which have now become the board, because we put the most time and sweat equity into where we are today and for where the charity component is today. So we went back on Friday and um, planned to be there for a couple hours and a couple hours turned into a couple more hours because we're having fun. And um, But we went back and, you know, they had us set up in a tasting room and they had um, six samples of from six different barrels, different than the ones that we had tried um, on the tour. Um, and and we was we specifically said we want to know nothing about this. Yeah. We don't want to know mash bills. We don't want to know age. We don't know want to know anything. And all four of us had agreed that we would not talk about the product as we went through the tasting, that we would keep those notes to ourselves. We all had pen and paper and we're making notes. And then after we had tried all six, we then started debating which ones we liked. And it was easier for us to remove barrels. Mm -hmm. Than for us to to settle on one barrel, and um, Ron and I really lean toward barrel number seven, and I know that, but the samples weren't numbered sequentially, um, and so we really like barrel number seven. Um, some of us liked a little bit of barrel five, and then um, Carlos and Hugh were both really big on barrel number six. So I took my Glencairn glass and emptied it and poured a little bit of six and a little bit of seven into my glass and, you know, said, hey, you know, Jeff's been holding out on us. He has another one for us to try. And I gave it to, so I gave it to Hugh first and Hugh was like, oh my goodness, what's this? And, um, and, and so we then gave it to Ron and Ron's like, holy cow, where did this come from? And then, you know, and and Carlos was doing something else, and so he wasn't really paying attention to what's going I was on. Talking and, to Jeff, <laughs> and so we're we give him this, and he's like, "Where did this come from?" And he goes, "Wait a minute, did y'all do something?" <laughs> and we're kind of like, you know, grinning, going, "Yeah, we did something." And he tried it, and he goes, "You blended two of the barrels," and we're like, "Yes, we blended two of the barrels." Huh. Now that's not something Whiskey Thief normally does. Yeah. Normally they sell their product as a single barrel product, um, but we took two great individual barrels and I kind of looked at the mash bills and the mash bills blended in my mind. So the, um, and in my mind, those, those numbers, those mash bills blend well, picks up the sugar content from the higher corn along with the rye, the spicy components and really created, I felt like was a better product. We're right about that time when we're all kind of fascinated. We've found this, the owner of the distillery, the founder of the distillery and the master distiller just quote unquote, accidentally walk in. Yeah. There was no accident. Um, and and they were like, what's going on here? And, you know, and we're like, well, we're doing a barrel sampling. And they're like, well, what are you thinking about? And we gave them a sample of six and seven. And they're like, oh, these, wow, y'all are going to have a really hard time. These are both really good, but they're very different. And I said, well, what do you think of this one? And while they were tasting, I took three other glasses and blended and gave them those. And it was funny to watch them because the current owner of the distillery, Walter, looks at the master distiller like, 
where did this come from and why are you holding out on me? The founder is looking at the master distiller the same way. The master distiller is looking us dumbfounded going, I don't, I think I've tasted this before. And that's when Jeff was like, yeah, he pointing to me blended six and seven. And they're basically like, well, who gave you permission to do that? And I'm like, um, no one, but that's kind of what we're looking to do. And they go, so now you're all thinking about buying two barrels. And I'm like, yeah, we're thinking about buying two barrels. So you bought... So we bought two barrels that we two. had blended. Let's get into the charity part. So again, so the when we were there that day, we had negotiated that out of the 440 potential bottles that we were only committed to taking 300, um, which was a huge financial release from us instead of having to commit it to financially taking 440 bottles. So a lot of what we did was we we got people that were on our trip and they committed to a share. Yep. And a share cost a certain amount of money and you resulted in you getting 24 bottles of the bourbon gospel bourbon. Um, and that covered all of our initial cost. And one of the things that we came up with is we wanted to do a challenge coin. Um, and so we have a challenge coin that we created and the challenge coin has bourbon gospel on one side, brothers of the barrel on the other side. And that was something that we did in combination with this release. Um, we also named this release. So we have a secondary sticker. Um, so Caitlin and Ashley, who were the two girls that really helped us that day, we were there first. Mm -hmm. um, and they're two blondes. And on the trip, we had come up with, we were going to call this the two blondes release after Caitlin and Ashley. Um, and Caitlin and Ashley are the two girls whose image is on the labels. Every release will have a different name. Um, so when we go forward, they'll have other names. But this one was the Two Blondes release. Not only did we go out on a limb and bought our first, not one, but two barrels. Golly, we're going to buy more barrels. Are you? Uh, I, that's what he alluded to right there. Okay. And we'll, we'll get into that yep. um, We'll get into that in a, in a second. So you bought two barrels. How long from that purchase point did it take to to bottle the bourbon, get it labeled, and actually ship it on back home? Three and a half months. The four of us went back um, December 15th. We were at the distillery the 16th and 17th of December, and we actually participated in the bottling of the product. The so labeling. the labeling. So I helped dip the, the bottles into wax to seal them. Um, Carlos helped to chill and harden the wax. And, and taste. Then, I made sure I tasted it right out of the bottle first. Oh, we were all tasting it. <laughs> um, and then Ron and Hugh helped. They have. So it's a very manual process. Again, it's a very small distillery. Not a lot of it is mechanical, mechanized, so we actually helped with that particular process. After about 50 of those bottles, it stopped being fun. Yeah. At about 100 of the 400 bottles, it started becoming work, and we realized that we were paying them to take care of that part of it. And we were like, okay, we've had fun. Now it's becoming work, and you get to do the rest. So we went from 300. Now we're up to 400. Well, the total four, amount of bottles comes... So, 400 bottles was what they were going to bottle. Yeah. Um, and so we're still only committed to taking 300. Now, upon getting back to Texas and people hearing about our trip, 
they wanted to participate as well. And so all total, we have about 50 individuals all total that are involved um, in what was at that point 360 bottles. Uh, while we're at the distillery, the distillery says, well, we're going to bottle all 400. Um, so if you want more, just let us know and we'll arrange to get it to you. And then I talked to the group and I was like, if we can get them at a discount, which is going to put more into the charity's hand, do we want to do it? It's more money out of pocket today. Right. Um, and all four of us agreed that that kind of made sense. So we ended up taking all 400 bottles home with us back to Texas. How did you get those 400 bottles back to Texas? Very, Carlos is uh, flexing. so let's Very let, carefully. Uh, Carlos, um, how did you get those 400 bottles back home? Yeah, like I said, very, very carefully in the uh, back of a uh, trailer, <laughs> driving very, very carefully, very slow. As I told everybody, if you see a huge fireball in the sky, you just know we didn't make it. Our original goal was $1,000. Um, and we selected River Legacy Science Foundation up in North Arlington um, as that charity for 2022. And um, and we were really happy and real pleased with ourselves that, you know, out of this event, you know, we've now created a $1,000 gift to a charity. But as more people, as the number went from 300 to 360 to eventually 400, um, that charitable component rose. Sure. Um, so it went from 1,000 to $3,000. And then when we took the extra 40 bottles, um, that number now is um, $5,250. So $5,000 gift is going to be given to um, the River Legacy Science Foundation. And we also made a $250 donation to the Mansfield Mission Center here in Mansfield. What does the River Legacy. So River Legacy is a city park in North Arlington that's on the Trinity River. Mm -hmm. And they spend a lot of time bringing in school-age kids, educating them on the life and wildlife around them. It met the criteria of being a local organization and a high in result donor rep, um, recipient, um, just like Mansfield Mission meets that requirement for us as, us as well. Sure. So those are some of our goals is that we always want to donate to charities in the Mansfield, Arlington, Midlothian area, because that's where the majority of us live. They We want to make sure that the majority of the money is going to the actual intended recipient, not to um, organizational expenses. And as Hugh alluded to earlier, uh, the our, our, our chief pilot, you guys may do this again, and maybe again and again and again. So again, the 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 end result is people have been blown away by our pallets. Yeah. They said, "Hey, we we decided to to buy a coin because we believed in you, and we believed in the charitable component." And and again, how bad could it be? But they weren't expecting it to be good, much less outstanding. Yeah. Um, and yet the general comments that we're getting is people are totally blown away by the quality of the product. I really attribute Apparently that to the pallets of the <laughs> four of us. <laughs> and and as a result of the four of us pallets, we have come up and created a completely unique product that can't be duplicated again. We don't intend to duplicate it again from that taste profile. Yeah. What we intend to duplicate again is the success of this product and putting out another Terrific product. Question of the day. You bought uh, two barrels. What happened to the barrels? So again, next week um, with Dirty Job Brewing, we partnered with Dirty Job Brewing back in January when we brought the barrels back. And the the four of us, along with Derek Hubenak, the owner of Dirty Job, um, we brewed a beer 
Um, and about 10 days later, we actually put that beer in those used whiskey, two blondes release whiskey thief barrels. Because if my bourbon education is, is, is spot on, you can only use a barrel once for aging, for, for aging bourbon. Correct. So you have to find secondary uses. And initially, we were just going to auction the barrels off among the people who went on the trip and yeah. were shareholders. Um, and then now, you know, I woke up one night in the middle of the night and was like, wait a minute, there's got to be another charitable component to this. And there's got to be a second life for these barrels and reached out to Derek. And Derek, being a local business owner, was like, I'm all in. Um, so we're now aging that beer. So it's the OMG Blonde. So the OMG Blonde has now met the two blondes. So now we have three blondes. In OMG play. three blondes. Right. <laughs> we intend to take those barrels that have now been whiskey barrels and now beer barrels. We intend to take those to Johnson City to Henry Carlson at Carlson Wines. Mm -hmm. And Henry's going to put in two wines in that barrel. What I'm hoping Henry chooses to do, it's his choice as the winemaker, but I hope he chooses one barrel to put a white wine in and one barrel to put a red wine in, something like a Tempranillo, um, that we can see how those two wines take on the aspects of being aged in a bourbon barrel. And then as we do this in the future, so we are planning a second release um, to come out right around the time of this podcast in July. Um, so the second release will be July of 2023. The third release we're timing for December 2023. Um, we don't have names for those releases yet because we haven't sampled them yet. Yeah. Um, so, but we intend to potentially partner with um, a local beekeeper and maybe do bourbon barrel aged honey hmm. and then do a wine and then do a beer. But we want these barrels to have another life. And then Derek Hubenak and Henry Carlson have committed to making a donation to local charities as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so these barrels and the bourbon gospel brand will have a second and third and potentially fourth life with each of these barrels going forward. So there is a there's a charitable component with every step of the way, it started with the bourbon and the bourbon gospel, and then with the uh, moving on to Dirty Job Brewing, and then moving on to the winery. Let's let's go around the table because we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, we'll start with Carlos and work our way to the right around the table. Um, really, just give me a, a summary. Give me a feeling about uh, this this whole trip and how this has all come together into um, uh, working into a charity. Well, as, as anything starts out, it starts out with just a thought, a, a simple plan of doing something together that we all enjoy is, is, as friends and developing fellowship. And like any great ideas, it just came together and it, it, it was meant to be. Yeah. And and again, it's like I said, it's, it's something that we've all said, okay, from day one, if we're going to do this, we're going to make sure that um, we stick true to ourselves that we, we keep it simple, but that we have the charity component to it. And I think by having that simple recipe, just, just like bourbon is, bourbon is a very simple recipe, creates a great product. Keeping ourselves simple and doing the process simple has created our great product as well as giving back to the community. And it just all goes hands in hand. It just fits. Hugh Hunton. Bourbon gospel has been around for a while, um, and it's always been tongue-in-cheek and we, that has a humorous component, as you can tell by our titles. And when this just fell together out of nowhere, like Carlos said, it was meant to be, it 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 made it real. Bourbon gospel is something, and it's like, oh my gosh, now we 
we're legitimate. We're we're uh, people are starting to take notice, and to be able to get back to the charity side, it's just it just makes you feel good. I'm going to close with Brian, so let's head on over to Ron for a, a final thought. When we went on this trip, like others have mentioned before, we weren't planning on doing this. We were just all getting together and having some fun and exploring the Kentucky Bourbon Trail that some of us have been to and some of us hadn't, and we just fell into it. You know, And Bourbon Gospel, as, as Hugh mentioned, has been around for a little while, and we've done some cooking competitions and and some cocktail sponsorships and some education and all these things that we've done along the way with bourbon gospel. And it kind of was the next big step was to really get something with our name on it that was directly related to bourbon. And now that that has happened and we've hit that milestone. Now we're thinking of what's the next milestone. You know, we're just going to continue to progress and progress. Brian, the next time you go back, do you anticipate using the same distillery? I, I see no reason at this point in time to change what's a winning combination. Um, the people at Whiskey Thief have just done everything to make this an easy process for us. Um, and I don't see us changing that. We should probably mention that the first run has been sold out. The first run is completely sold out. So, and, and the second run is, uh, when when do, when do you think that would, uh, that would be made available? We're planning on the release being in July. Um, but if you're interested, then I would say reach out to bourbongospel at gmail.com, and we can certainly talk about what that looks like from your involvement. And of course, you have bourbongospel.com, the website. It has all the recipes of every one of the cocktail of the weeks that Brian has uh, featured right here on the podcast. And uh, again, Brian Certain, Hugh Hunton, Ron McCraney. Carlos Figueroa, the executive uh, board of Bourbon Gospel. Uh, appreciate you guys being on the show today. Amazing job what you guys are doing. Uh, what started out, again, as a guy's weekend turned into uh, a charitable organization. Uh, appreciate what you're doing, and thanks for being on About Mansfield. Thanks for the opportunity to let us share the story. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we are going to read your mind. Well, sort of. You'll just have to tune in to find out what it's all about. As always, this is the place where you hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and conversation. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast. If you haven't already, so you never miss an episode, it's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. Mansfield.